Well, last week we studied 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. So this morning we will go ahead and finish out that chapter. So 1 John chapter 2. You can go ahead and open your Bibles up there. And uh, before we dive into our verses for today, let's go back and start reading at verse 1. So 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly, the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Now, we expounded on all those verses last week for those of you that were here. So if you weren't here, I encourage you to go to our website, aloveoutreach.com, and you can listen to last week's teaching if you so feel led. But now we go ahead and jump on into our verses for today. Verse 12. I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Now, let's pause on that verse for a moment here. You see, I'm sure that back at the time that John had written this letter, he understood that his readers would be at various stages in their walks as born-again Christians. There would be those people reading this that were new converts, converts, right? People that had recently come to faith in Jesus Christ. They have not yet matured too far along in their walks, and they needed to be reminded of the simple fact that their sins have been forgiven. For newborn babes in, in Christ, their sin is fresh on their minds often, and they feel the remorse of it, and they need that assurance that indeed their sins are forgiven them. And John points out here that the reason their sins have been forgiven was not the result of him as an apostle forgiving their sins, but their sins were forgiven because of Jesus. It is for his name's sake that our sins are forgiven. If you remember, we study in the book of Hebrews the fact that there is a, 
maturation process that takes place in the life of a believer, right? We, we grow, right? We all start out as little children, babies, right, in Christ. We then, however, must grow up in Christ, we're, we're told in Scripture. There comes a point in our walks where we no longer lay again the foundation of repentance from dead works, as Hebrews 6.1 says, right? But instead, we move on to perfection. We should not remain as babies in Christ and keep habitually sinning over and over again, constantly making the choice to go back into the ways of sin. We should mature, right? Instead, what we do is we continue in the Word and we put on the new man in Christ, the born-again man, the Spirit-led man. Okay? We become a person that is obedient to the Word of God and we actually get to a point where we should be living it out. We shouldn't just be, as I often remind you guys, forgetful hearers of the Word, but we should be doers of the Word. And John stated back there in verses 4 and 5, he who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. Okay? How? How do we know that we're in him? Because the love of God is perfected in our lives. And that's what matters to us, loving God and sharing God's love with others. That becomes something that is, in a sense, perfected in our lives. I know we all like to say, well, I'm not perfect and we never will be perfect, but we are to grow and to mature in the word of God to a place where the love of God is perfected in us. And it's something that we actually live out, you know. So, but again, John realizes that some of his readers are, are newborn babies, right? And they need to be reassure, reassured that their sins are forgiven. But here in verse 13, he says, I write to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. So he's not talking about fathers as in fathers of children. He's talking about the father, people that are mature in the Lord, right? So he's saying, hey, there's something here. We see there's something here in this letter for mature believers as well. The word of God is for all of us. And we all continually need to take regular baths, if you will, in the word of God. Otherwise, we begin to stink. If we don't stay washing ourselves in the word of God, we may find that there becomes a stench about us in a spiritual sense. Right? We, we, we grow stagnant in a spiritual sense because we don't have, we're not washing ourselves in the living word of God. And the dirt in our lives will eventually begin to be seen by others. You can cover up dirt for a little while. You can cover up your dirty body with some clothing or whatever. But eventually the smell comes out. Eventually, the stench comes out. Eventually, it gets to be seen. And we need continually to be washing ourselves in the truth of the Word of God. Again, this is why 
I take the time to teach the word of God in this way, to, to have you look at it, to see what it says, and I try to stick very close to what it says and not go off in any other directions with it, okay? Because it's real easy to do that. It's real easy to take the word and just create one sentence out of the word of God and go off on a whole 40-minute teaching that we're not looking at the word of God anymore. But I like us to stay close to it because of what it does in our lives and the effect it has on us. And verse 13 continues and says, I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. So, you know, this is no easy task for a young man. The wicked one, Satan himself, desires to destroy our youth. Okay, He runs rampant today throughout neighborhoods, throughout college campuses, and he's teaching and he's persuading young people to walk in the ways of humanism and hedonism, right? Hedonism is, is, is where you're just seeking pleasure in your life. You do whatever feels good. That's called hedonism, right? But the young person that takes the time to read the Word of God and to keep the commandments of the word of God, this one is the one that has overcome the wicked one, as John writes here in his letter. Okay? They've overcome the wicked one. Now John continues on here at the end of verse 13. He says, I write to you little children because you have known the Father. Now just one note of importance here. Before I expound on this sentence I just read there, in verse 12, the Greek word for children is the word technia. That was the word used there, technia. And technia is a word that, that refers to a child's dependence upon their father or upon their parent, right? So again, as we see it, in verse 12, a newborn in Christ needs to know and they need to be assured that they, that they now have a father with them. Their sins have been forgiven and God is with them. And that, that word technia used for children, that's what it means. It, it means a de you're dependent now upon God. And God is everything to you at that point. So picture, if you will, a little child that goes to school and they brag about their father like little children sometimes do, right? He's, he's a hero, right? Their dad can save the world. Their dad has superpowers, right? We know it's not true, but that's what their, that child thinks about their daddy. But here in verse 13, the Greek word used for children is the word paideia, okay? Paideia. It's a different word. In our English language right there, it's translated both times as children. Okay? But in the original Greek, as it was written, the word was paideia. Okay? And this word refers to a child's need for instruction. A child's need for instruction. So newborn believers need to be instructed in the Word of God. They need to be instructed that now that they have come to faith in Jesus Christ, they need to keep His commandments. 
This is the way we now need to walk. We, we need that instruction in the word of the Lord. We need to be instructed as to who Jesus really is because there's all kinds of doctrines about Jesus and who he was. You know, if you take the world's view of Jesus and what you might see on a documentary on a television, you might see just the man side of Jesus. This is who he was, but they never touch on who Jesus really was as God in the flesh. Okay? Because if they did that, well, then they'd be held accountable to believe in him as well if they really portrayed that he was God in the flesh. They'd be held accountable to that as well. So, and you know, many people, I get this question from time to time. People ask, should I pray to the Father or should I pray to Jesus? Well, I always answer yes. And let me expound on that for a few minutes. Hebrews chapter 1, I want you to go ahead and mark this page and turn there. What I'm doing now is that word paideia, right, that refers to a child's need for instruction, right? They need to be instructed in the Word of God as to who Jesus is, as to who God is. They need that instruction from the Word of God. So now I'm taking a slight little turn and just doing that right now in regards to Jesus and saying, you know, who is he? So I brought up that question. Should I pray to the Father? Should I pray to the Son? Should I pray to Jesus? Well, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us, by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Now that's what I want you to see right there. Jesus is the express image of God the Father. You've heard me quote John 1.14 numerous times where it says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Okay, So Jesus is the express image of God. This is how God has chosen to speak to mankind in these last times. Okay? We live in the last times right now. Really, there's not much biblical, uh, you know, uh, prophetically, from a biblical standpoint, that needs to be accomplished other than the coming of Christ. All things have pretty much been fulfilled. We now live in these last times, and God speaks to us and has spoken to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. So turn now to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. And we'll read verses 8 and 9. Colossians 2, starting in verse 8. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. 
Now, let me pause right there for a minute because what this verse is telling us here is that philosophy is the way of man, not the way of Christ. Philosophy is a basic principle of this world and is actually biblically categorized as empty deceit. It is not the way of God. It is not the way of Christ. And But you know, there are all kinds of philosophies out there floating around today. And in many ways, philosophy has entered into Christianity in a very strong way. Okay? But there's many philosophies out there in regards to who Jesus was and who Jesus is. Especially as it pertains to his deity, right? But I don't give these philosophies the time of day, right? Jesus is who the word of God says that he is. He is the son of God, the son of man, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He is the express image of God. All things were created through him, right? And he upholds all things, right? And verse 9 of, second, of, of Colossians 2 goes on to tell us, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Okay? So if you pray to Jesus, you're praying to God. If you say Jesus Christ in the form of profanity, you're taking God's name in vain. Jesus is today seated at the right hand of the Father. You see, in the mathematics of the Bible, the mathematics of the Trinity, one plus one plus one equals one. One plus one plus one equals one. That's the mathematics of God in this sense. Right? That's how the biblical math works as it pertains to God. Deuteronomy 6 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This one God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And Deuteronomy 6 5 tells us that we are to love Him with all of our heart, soul, and with all of our strength. We're to love Him. Remember, we talked about, we read in John, the love of God being perfected in us. And we are to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. In other words, all of our being, everything we have is to be about the love of God. So, newborn babies need instructions in the Word of God in order to grow, in order to mature. And as we flip back now to 1 John chapter 2, right, we can praise God that Jesus has made, uh, you know, we can praise God that He has made, the Father's been made known to us, is what I'm trying to say, in Jesus Christ, because He is the express image of God, right? Then, as we pick up in verse 14, so we're back in 1 John chapter 2, verse 14, 
I have written to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. Now, why did John repeat this very thing? He said the same thing at the beginning of verse 13, didn't he? Well, I really don't know why he repeated it other than to to say that it needs to be emphasized. Sometimes people that have been in Christ, that have matured, right? They've been in Christ for a while. They, They grow stale in their relationship with the Lord. And they need to be reminded that they know the Father through Jesus Christ, and they need to step up and begin to live like that, right? Begin, begin to live it again, right? They need, sometimes we need to just return to that place of our first love in the Lord. When we first fell in love with the Lord, and we remember how, how it impacted our lives and how it changed us and how we began to act. And sometimes we grow away from that, but he doesn't want us to. He wants us to stay in that love. And he wants that love that we had in the beginning to grow deeper and deeper. Right? That place we were, when we were loving the Lord with all of our heart, soul, with all of our strength. So long-time believers in the Lord, you know, they have their role to fill in the body of Christ as well. And John's writing to them as well. Titus chapter 2 tells older men and older women how they should be living. Okay? And I encourage you to make a note to to read that chapter sometime this week. Titus chapter 2. Don't let yourself grow stagnant in the body of Christ because there's a place and a role for all of us. And this is the reason that John is writing this letter here. Then verse 14 continues. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Now, right, we see the means here in which a young man can overcome the wicked one. We see it here. It's by a young man abiding in the Word of God. Same holds true for a young woman. We all need to abide in the Word of God. Look, I think it's important that we look at these verses of Scripture here. I want you to mark this page and turn to Psalm 119. Psalm is about the middle of your Bible. It's a big book in the middle of your Bible. And I want you to find Psalm 119. While you're turning there, I want to read what John said again. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the wicked one. Then in Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Remember what I said earlier, that we need to take regular baths in the Word of God. We need to bathe ourselves regularly in the Word of God or we'll begin to stink. Verse 10, With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander 
from your commandments. Now, let me just exhort each one of us here this morning by asking us all a few questions. Is this the cry of our hearts? Can we say from our mouths today that with our whole heart we seek the Lord? Is it our desire to be sure that we never walk away from His commandments? Is that our desire? Do we desire with our whole heart to live in accordance with the Word of God? Verse 11, he says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. So do you see the importance of the word of God here? It cleanses our way. And it keeps us from sin. That's why it's so important to abide in the word of God, to know the word of God, to hide it in your heart. Because first of all, it cleanses us from the inside and it makes us that person of love. It makes us that child of God. That's what the Word of God does. And it also keeps us from sin. Because when we're walking through this life and we come upon sin, we come upon the temptation to, to do just this or that, even the slightest little thing. The Word of God, when it's hidden in your heart, it'll pop up into your mind from your heart. And you'll remember, uh, this is not how God wants me to live. I got to tell the truth here. I got to be honest here. I might be walking away with an extra $20 bill from the ATM because it spit out an extra ATM, but God wants me to provide things honest in the sight of all men, so I'll go back in and give that $20 bill back. I've had that happen to me more than one time. You know, at a, the change machine at a grocery store when you use the self-checkout. And I walk up and I give it back to them. Then a couple of weeks back when we were all in California, I went to the grocery store to buy water at Albertsons and I asked for $20 cash back and I left the store without the $20 cash back. I'm, getting, I'm putting everything in the car and some lady comes running out after me and says, Sir, you left this in the thing there. You know, and I was like, oh, wow, you could have kept that. I would have never remembered that. So she did what's right. We're all supposed to do what's right. The word of God gets hid in our hearts and it, it tells us to live righteously and it causes us to live in that righteous manner. It's the word of God that cleanses us. And that's why, again, I'm so diligent to point you back to it because I know the power of it. And in verse 12, blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips, I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. Again, as you read that, we have to ask ourselves a question. Can we say these things about ourselves? Verse 14, I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. Wow. Think about that for a second here. If you came into a million dollars today, how much would you rejoice? How happy would you be? How high would you jump up and down, right? And the psalmist says here that he rejoices in the testimonies of the Lord 
as much as in all riches. The word of the Lord. Right. Verse 15. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate all or contemplate your ways. So have you ever thought of taking a day and and just doing that? Right. How about just taking an hour and doing that? Meditating on the precepts of the Lord and contemplating the ways of the Lord. Verse 16, I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. You see, there are wondrous things in the word of God. Things that will change you from the inside out. Things that will give you a whole new perspective on life. But all too often, the things of the world cloud our hearts and our minds. And this is why we are to live as strangers when it comes to this world. In verse 19, I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. So the word of God really is that powerful. It really is that wondrous. It it cleanses us and it changes us and it prepares us for eternity. And it reminds us that we are strangers here, that we're just passing through. This is not our ultimate home. And as we turn back now, to 1 John chapter 2. John goes on to say in verse 15, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. So there's a contrast here being expressed. There's a big difference between the way of the world, and the way of God, the way of the Word. The ways of the world are not the ways of the Father, and the ways of the Father are not the ways of the world. Jesus came, and Jesus put that on display when He was here. You see, the world hated Jesus. They crucified Him. He loved the people of the world so much that he went to the cross to die for the sin of the whole world. And he brought light into the world. But the people of the world loved darkness more than they loved light. So they had to do away with him because he exposed their sinfulness. He came and he demonstrated what a a person, what a man of God was to look like. And they couldn't deal with that. And many people today do the same thing with Jesus. They reject him because he shines too bright of a light in their life 
that says this is how you are to live. And today, if you love the world and you live to to lust for the things of the world, then you can be sure that the love of the Father is not in you. Only the one that does the will of the Father will abide forever. This person will inherit eternal life. Verse 18, little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. You see, we too know today that the Antichrist is coming. We know this from Scripture. And do you see the capital A there? The first time the word Antichrist is mentioned in verse 18. This is appropriate because this is speaking of the real Antichrist that is coming someday. But John also refers to Antichrist there in verse 18 with a lowercase a. He refers to them as people that were once in the body of Christ, but for one reason or another, they have walked away. And they walked away because, truth be known, they never really were a part of the body of Christ. They never really did die to their fleshly nature. They never really did repent of their sin. Instead, they continue in their sin. And many people are in the body of Christ like that today, professing Christianity, but yet going all along loving the lust of the world, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. They're going after the things of the world, and the Word of God is not important to them, but they do just fine to sit in church on Sunday morning and profess to be Christians, right? But this is a person that never even began a life of abiding in the Word of God. They never really desired to keep the commandments of the Lord with all of their heart, with all of their soul, and with all of their strength. You see, people who come to Christ, they understand that there really is a price to pay when you come to Christ. And rather than having you turn there, I'm just going to read to you what Jesus said in Luke chapter 14. He said, whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it or not. Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. This is how serious Jesus said it is. 
It's we come to the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. We come to him with everything. And to the ones that truly have come to the Lord, John says in verse 20, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. You see, the Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit comes in a person, right? And they also come upon a person, that he also comes upon a person. And that person is no longer the same because of the work of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy, the Holy One, right? And their eyes, a person's eyes, are opened at that point to things that they never seen before, things that they never paid attention to or noticed before, right? You've had that experience. You begin to see things differently when you come to the light of the Lord. And your eyes are opened as you even study His Word. And you begin to see things. Wow, I didn't know all this. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit within us, right? And John goes on in verse 21, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So again, you see in verse 22 there, the little a, the lowercase a on the word antichrist. These are people that in everyday life, there are people that are antichrist. In other words, they just deny him. They live their lives without a care about God or what he thinks or what his word says. They could care less about it. They're antichrist and they don't live in the ways of the Lord. So you see, John is really driving this point home to us too here of who Jesus Christ really is. Jesus is the only way, right? He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through Him. And when you come to know Jesus, you have come to know the Father as well. Verse 24, Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. So again, right? Keep what you heard from the beginning. It's all right here in your Bible, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's all you need. Let the word of God abide in you, just like we went to Psalm 119 and we read, let the word of God abide in us. That's what it's all about, right? And when you do, when you let the word of God abide in you, something happens. What happens? You know the Father and you know the Son. Okay? And all of this is done by the work of the Holy One, the Holy Spirit. Okay? So I want to share something with you here real real quick at this point in my preparation of this study for this morning i really wanted to wrap things up and i really wanted to close out this chapter i was like okay lord let me just stop let me just finish out this chapter real quick but the lord told me no so i'm going to have you mark this page again and and turn to the gospel of john okay so 
Don't blame me for the length of this study because I wanted to quit right here. <laughs> but the Lord told me, keep going. So, John chapter 14. Verse 8, John 14, 8. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father, so how can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. So Jesus was going to leave the earth, but more works were still going to be done for the kingdom of God, and those works continue on today. And we sit here as a result of the fact that the work of the Holy Spirit has gone on and on and on, okay, and still is going on. In verse 13, Jesus says, And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. So as we make the choice in our lives to keep the commandments of God, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and helps us. He's the helper. The 120 disciples of Jesus, they experienced this in the upper room. And you can read about it in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit came upon them. And Jesus further explains who the helper is in verse 17. He says the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you a little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. So when you are born again of the Spirit, you have that anointing that John talked about in 1 John chapter 2. And you come to know the Son, Jesus, and the Father, God, why? Because by the Holy Spirit, they're in you and they indwell you. And Jesus goes on in verse 21 here. He who has my commandments and keeps them. 
It is he who loves me. You see what Jesus is saying? This is the person that loves me. The word that has my commandments and keeps them. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So, so the Lord manifests himself to the person that keeps his commandments and loves him. So it's all important that we keep the commandments of the Lord, that we live out the word of God in this world, that we love the word of God and that we don't love this world. We must keep. And John told us that which we heard from the beginning. That's what he said. Keep that which you heard from the beginning. We must walk in these things. And keep it means not just hold on to it and carry it around with us, put it in our pocket. No, keep it means to obey, to live it out. You keep the word of the Lord. You walk in that way. As we turn back to John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 25. So 1 John 2.25, and this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. So what's the, the result of all of this? What's the result of keeping his commandment, commandments? What is the result of his word abiding in us and us being obedient to it? Eternal life is the result of that. And that's how we know that we're his disciples, because we love him and we keep his commandments. Okay, verse 26, these things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. So again, right, beware of the philosophies and of the teachings of men and women today. Okay, Go take a world religion class at a local university, and it will destroy your mind. It will destroy the truth of God. That's what they set out to do in those world religion classes. They want you to see, oh, well, there's not only this way. Well, yeah, we know the Bible says that it's only this way, and it's only Jesus, but come on, it can't be only this way. There's also this way. And there's also this way, and there's also this way. And they take the youth who doesn't abide in the Word of God, and they destroy their mind. They destroy the, their faith. You know, They take away the truth of the Word of God. And that's why when we went back to Colossians, we read, Beware, lest anyone cheat you through their philosophies. Right? So we need to beware of the philosophies like that. We need to stick to the word of the Lord. We, we need to allow for the Holy Spirit whom indwells you, allow him to teach you. Test what a man or what a woman teaches you. And how can you test even what I'm teaching you today? Go study the word of God. But again, I'm very, very careful to just have you look at it yourself. I'm not going to tell you, hey, just sit here, close your Bibles and listen to what I have to say, because then I can come up with all kind of philosophies and cheat you. But if I keep you looking at the word of God, you're going to know it's there. Right. So we need to abide in it and we need to do what it says. Verse 28. And now, little children, abide in 
him that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Right? So that's how you can know. That's how you can you know yourself if you're in him, if you're walking in the ways of the world. Are you practicing righteousness? Do these things matter to you? Right? So can a person remain in habitual sin over and over again and be born again? No, they cannot. They will not see the kingdom of heaven, right? He or she that is born of Jesus makes a practice in their lives to live righteously. So as I end this, I'll say, it is the last time. Jesus is coming again. So how shall we be living? And of course, we've seen in the Word today how we should be living We should be living in accordance with the Word of God. We should hide the Word of God in our hearts that we might not sin against Him. We should love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we thank You for this time of worship, Lord, by studying Your Word. We thank You for Your Holy Spirit who indwells us, who teaches us, Lord. We need not look anywhere else for teaching, Lord, but to your word. And that is why we gather like this. That is why we open your word, Lord, that we might grow in the grace and in the knowledge of you, Lord, that we would not be cheated by the philosophies of this world. Lord, look upon our hearts and show us those areas in our lives, Lord, where maybe we do love the world more than we love your word, where maybe we do chase after things of this world more than we desire to to live in accordance with your word. By your spirit, teach us and grow us this morning, Lord. We thank you for this time together. We thank you for your spirit who indwells us. We pray that you'd go before us in all things this day. In Jesus' name, amen.